Welcome to another episode of Demimond Paranormal Podcast. In tonight's episode, I'm taking you all to a faraway country, a faraway place known as Saudi Arabia. In tonight's episode, we will be talking about the jinn, the ghouls, and other Saudi Arabian creatures that are featured in their mythology and in their folklore as well. But before we get into that, I just want to make a brief introduction of myself to any new listeners that we have tonight. I'm Tori from Demand Paranormal. I created this podcast and this little group on Facebook as well by the same name, Demand Paranormal. About a year ago, or actually two years ago now, the podcast was about one years old, and the group on Facebook is about two years old. It was founded in 2019, and what we do here is we just talk about things, all things paranormal, including ghosts, witches, witchcraft, warlocks, werewolves, vampires, aliens, you got it. Anything paranormal, we got it here. The fairies, um, different types of spirits, such as the jinn or some type of fae or mythical creature. So, in tonight's um, podcast, we're going to be looking at, you know, as I said before, about, we're going to be looking about five creatures that are mentioned in Arabian mythology and folklore. One of them being jinn, the second one being bulls, and the third one is known as what is called the Masnas, and the fourth one is the Agui, and the third and final one It's more of a mystical creature than a scary creature. This creature is known as as Shade Hover. So let me know if you guys have ever heard of these creatures or these beings, rather, prior to this podcast. So let's just dive right in. Also, right before we do so... I just want to make a brief moment to thank every one of you for listening to my podcast each and every week. It's really flattering to see how many listeners we have from all around the world. So without that, with all that being said, let's just dive right in. And our first topic for tonight will be on the jinn or the genie. Thank you. 
Okay guys, and welcome to our first part of tonight's episode. In this first segment, we are going to be talking about the Jinn. Now, the Jinn are shape-shifting spirits that are made up from air and fire. The Jinn have been a part of the Arab culture for as long as the, the Arab culture has existed. Its origins date back to pre-Islamic Arabia. Although the jinn had transcended into both religion and the physical world, the spirits are still not considered, they are still not considered understood. The jinn are part of the Islamic religion, but they are not worshipped in it. The jinn are not inherently good, nor are they evil or bad. They possess the ability to transform into any animal or human that they please. Now, the jinn have served as inspiration for Arabian poets since the first millennium. Genie or, yeah, genie is the singular form of jinn. Now, pagan Arabs who were very into the occult worshipped the jinn long before Islam was introduced in the 7th century. They believed that these spirits were masters of certain crafts in the elements of nature. They also believed that the jinn could turn the, the land fertile. While jinn are known to interact with humans in our own reality, they also lead their own lives in their own separate realms. Now, the Chini influence or the Jinn influence has been widespread throughout Arabia, Saudi Arabia, both pre and post Islam. The Jinn can communicate with people such as poets and scholars. Now, poets are the most likely to be chosen by the Jinn. Poets in pre Islamic Arabia would often attribute their verses to the Jinn or a Jinn. The poets were thought to have one special genie assigned to them, which guided their hand in, making, in creating their verses and their poetry. Now, genies or jinn were mentioned in the early 7th century when the prophet Muhammad mentioned them while spreading the word of the Quran. The jinn were considered part of the the Al-Ghaib, which bore the unseen. They were invisible entities with abstract definitions. Only belief in them causes them to manifest. They manifest differently between communities and individuals. Some Islamic scholars believe 
or agree that the jinn are capable of possession, while some do not. Now stories of people becoming possessed with a genie or jinn has been, been reported in both post and pre-Islam times in Arabia. Exorcism could, exorcisms of the jinn could include reciting the Quran, or it could include beating the jinn or the genie out of the afflicted person. Some people believe that the rare exorcism, the beating of the person, causes the pain to be felt not by the person who is possessed by the genie, but the genie itself. Now, Arabs in pre-Islam did take precautions to prevent the jinn from inflicting evil intentions onto them, both body and mind, and that included such use of beads, incest, bones, salt, and charms, written in Arabic, Hebrew, and Syriac. They would also hang the teeth of a dead animal, such as a fox or a cat, around their necks to frighten the jinn. Majnun means in Arabic to be possessed, mad, or insane, but it also literally means to be possessed by a genie. Now, unlike demons in Christianity, jinn or genie are not good or bad, so unlike demons who belong in hell, genies have no designated place or where they belong. Genies can either help or hurt us. It's up to them. Almost like humans. Only more powerful. Now, according to some people, that makes the jinn more related to more relatable to humans because they make their own choices. They know they're good or bad. They can decide to hurt you, or they can decide to help you. And depending on who you're listening to, or what article you read, or what book you read, some may say that you know jinns are, or the genies are like humans almost in the way that they can mess up or they can you know make mistakes and like we said they can either choose to help somebody or they can choose to hurt somebody and like that humans also have that choice and it all depends on who you're asking about these very misunderstood and mysterious spirits The jinn can not only possess humans, but they can also fall in love, or they can even have sex with humans. Apparently, the jinn can even eat, drink, and procreate. They can even die, even though the genie's life can be extended for thousands of years. Now, the jinn are below the levels of angels and demons. 
and the genie actually dwells in inanimate objects, such as trees, ruins, and underneath, and underneath the earth, and air and fire. Now, the jinn quite enjoy punishing humans for any harm done to them, whether the harm was intentional or not. Jinn are said to be responsible for diseases and accidents. Muhammad, the prophet, even feared that his revelations were the work of jinn. Their existence was acknowledged by official Islam, although it states that the jinn would indeed have to eventually they would have to face either salvation or damnation, similar, similar to humans. The jinn, with their association with magic, had made appearances in North African, Egyptian, Syrian, Persian, and Turkish folklore. Facebook user by the name of Sakina Blue. And in just a minute, I'm gonna read it to you guys. Here we go. One time, my mother in law was sitting in her bed. She looked over and saw a woman sitting on the chair next to her bed with long, pointed fingers and a face with very sharp angles. She was so frustrated and annoyed with the jinns. They see a lot in their house and are no longer afraid of them, just really annoyed by them. She reached out and grabbed the jinn by the wrist. She yelled, get out. I'm tired of you, get out. It started She tried to pull its wrist away and eventually tried to bite her hand because she wouldn't let go. She pulled her hand away before it bit her and then the gin just vanished. an old Persian story concerning the jinn as well. So it goes like this. One day, a lady goes into the public bathhouse. She pays the attendant and goes inside. Once inside, she notices someone in the room with her. She looks down at the feet, but instead of feet, the person had hooks 
The lady freaks out and runs outside as fast as she can. She rushes to the attendant and tells her that she saw someone with hooves instead of feet. The attendant looks at her and lifts up her skirt and asks, Like these? <laughs> That's just an old Persian story concerning, I mean, concerning the, the jinn or the genie. That was also found on Facebook. Also, I do want to mention that these little tales that I'm telling you guys about that were found on Facebook, they were compiled into a compilation and shared with the web to read freely. Now, this story is from Gabrielle Adipour. And that was also found on Facebook. I think, actually, Gabriella's story was found on Facebook and the old person story was found somewhere else. But, anyway, this is Gabriella's story. Now, this story I found was really creepy. So, I'm going to start it out like this. My mother was visiting her parents while she was praying in her room. She heard her mom laughing at her in the doorway. After she finished praying, she went to her mom's room and asked, Why were you laughing at me earlier? My grandmother replied, I've been in bed for hours. Now, it was, I wasn't laughing at you. My mom concluded that it was a gin trying to distract her from her prayers. In the same house, you can hear footsteps walking throughout the house. And might feel someone sit on the bed while you're sleeping. I used to have one in my room. Every night around 3 a.m. I would hear this old lady crying. We lived in the corner apartment on the top floor and I couldn't find out where it was coming from. I thought it was coming from underneath my bed. It got so bad that I had to stop sleeping in there. Pretty creepy story, huh? for tonight's episode is about ghouls. Now, you may know what a ghoul is, or you think you know what a ghoul is. It's like a little goblin creature that, you know, feasts on the flesh of dead people. But in all actuality, it's a bit more than that. Now, a ghoul is a demon, like, or a monstrous being, humanoid, that originated as early as the pre-Islamic Arabian religion. The ghoul is associated with graveyards and consuming human flesh, as we said before. In Arabic folklore, the ghoul is said to dwell in cemeteries and other uninhabited areas. A male ghoul is, is referred to as a ghoul, or a female ghoul is referred to as a ghoul. 
Bulls are considered a diabolic class of jinn, and they are said to be the spawn of the Islamic Prince of Darkness, Iblis. They are capable of changing form, but they are always recognizable by the donkey hooves that they have before the feet should be. Bulls were considered females by the ancients. Bulls were often confused with the Celis, who was also female. The Celis were a witch-like species of jinn, immutable in shape. However, the bull could stalk the desert in disguise of an attractive female to distract travelers. And if they are successful, the ghoul will kill and eat the traveler. There is one defense against the said ghoul, and that is to strike it dead with just one blow. Because if you strike the ghoul twice, the ghoul will then be reanimated and brought back to life. The ghoul has, has, has appeared in pre-Islamic poetry. Modern Arabs use ghouls to frighten children, and as a metaphor for a demonic cannibal. The English version of the ghoul is described as a grave-robbing creature that feasts on dead bodies and on children. In Western civilization, the ghoul has no specific image. Edgar Allan Poe describes the ghoul as neither man nor woman, neither brute nor human. As we said before, they are thought to assume disguises. But they are also thought to ride on horses and set fires at night to lure travelers away from the main roads. Save you hundreds on. So that brings us to our next creature from Saudi Arabia. This creature is known as the Naznis. Now, the Naznis is a monstrous creature from Saudi Arabia. It's described as having the ability to kill a person just by touching them. In seconds, the victim will be completely fleshless in mere seconds of being touched by the Naznis. The Naznis' appearance is described as being half a human with literally half a head, half a body, one arm, one hand, one leg, and it hops around with great agility. It's believed to be the offspring of a demon called a sheik and a human being. The Naznis were, were once found in Yemen and other non-Arab countries. The Arabs hunted and ate the Naznis, and in one Arab legend, it says that one day some travelers went to a country where the 
there was a whole bunch of nastiness. The cornered one killed it and ate it, and they roasted it, and it was very fat. When the hunters sat down to eat, a hunter asked what made the nastiness so fat. And a nastiness who was hiding and watching the hunters said out loud that the nastiness ate mastic, and that's what made him so fat. This tipped off the hunters, and they seized the nastiness who spoke to the travelers or the hunters. They killed that nastiness as well. And then a third nastiness who was also hiding and watching the travelers, said out loud. He started to run his mouth while hiding, and he said, if he had the presence of mind, he would have been talking to himself instead of you. Leading to the, and that led to the hunters capturing that, said Nasnus, and killing him as well. And that brings us to the last last nastiness in this legend and this one also decided to run his mouth he was all he was hiding in a hole and had the audacity to say i am cleverer so i will say nothing so needless to say he says something out loud while hunting while hiding The fourth Nasness was immediately killed, and the hunters were provided with food for a very long time because they just killed four Nasnesses. So they weren't exactly, you know, the brightest in that legend. Now, the Nasness are said to feed on fruits and plants, and they are also able to withstand thirst as well. Sometimes the Nasnus are depicted as having one bat wing or bat like wing. Even more commonly, the Nasnus shows himself as a decrepit old man who would ask his victims to help him cross bodies of water. In the middle of helping the old man, in quotation marks, cross the water, the Nasnus would change shape and drown his victim. He could also beat his victims to death with one hand, since he only had one hand to begin with. The Nasnus was also known to never speak. They are missing half their vocal cords, but they are able to make strange noises, such as a high-pitched hooting noise. Also, depending on the emotional state of the Nasnus. The tone in the volume, the, the tone in the volume of the Nasnus's hooting can change.
that brings us to another legendary creature from Saudi Arabia. This is the Al-Ghul. Now the Al-Ghul were Arabian vampire night gems. Al-Ghul translates to horse leech. They are said to reside in cemeteries and it takes the form of a woman in order to gain the trust of unsuspecting unattended children. The Al-Ghul prefers fresh blood despite living in a cemetery. The Al-Ghul preys on sleeping children. It enters their homes and drains them of their blood in breath. They lure unattended children to dark places to victimize them. If fresh blood is not available, the Al-Ghul will instead feed on the blood of a dead infant in the cemetery where it resides. So, our last legendary creature is the Shade Havar. Now, this legendary creature is more mystical than it is frightening or scary. And it's almost like a unicorn. Let me know if you ever heard of this creature. This is the first time I've ever heard of it. So, the Shade Haver is a legendary creature from medieval Muslim bestiarities, which resembled a unicorn that lived in the country of Rum. It had 42 hollow branches that came out of one horn on top of its head, and the branches were hollow, almost like pipes, and when the wind passes through them, it produces a very pleasant sound, or a very pleasant type of music, if you will. And all the animals would sit and listen to this music produced by the horns of this legendary creature, this mystical creature. The horns of these creatures were sometimes gifted to kings, so they can be played like a flute. And when played on one side, the sound is very cheerful and happy and, you know, very enjoyable. But if it's played on the other side of the horns, the sound is said to produce tears and sadness in the people who have heard the music being played on that certain side of the horns.
Now the scholar Al Madir and Al Damiri stated that the that shade of air he stated that the branches were not forty two but seventy two and also Al Mustafi also a scholar they were both Muslim scholars. He believed that Shade Fair was a carnivorous predator. Shade Fair was depicted as a gazelle more than a horse. And according to Al Mustafi, the legendary creature actually used its ethereal horns and its branches to lure the animals and other animals. Lure the animals to their death. Shade Haver would horrendously attack and kill all the animals that were listening to the music being produced by the branches that were placed on top of the creature's head. The earliest mentions of Shade Haver was around 900 AD, where it was referred where it was referred to as the Eris. Also, I just want to mention that all Mustafi was considered to be wrong with believing that Shade Haver was carnivorous. What do you guys think of that? Isn't that crazy talk? I saved the best for last. And now, everybody, I'm going to kind of end tonight's episode with a poem by Lord Byron. This poem is called Darkness. Right, I shall begin. I had a dream, which was not all a dream. The bright sun was anguished, and the stars did wander darkling in the eternal space, rayless and pathless, 
and the icy earth swung blind and blackening in the moonless air. Morn came and went and came and brought no day. A man forgot their passions in the dread of their dear isolation, and all hearts were chilled into a selfish prayer for light. And they did live by watchfires, and the thrones, the palaces of crowned kings, the huts, the habitations of all things which dwell, were burnt for beacons, cities were consumed, and men were gathered round their blazing homes, to look once more into each other's face. Happy were those who dwelt within the eye of the volcanoes in their mountain torch. A fearful hope was all the world contained, floors were set on fire, but hour by hour they fell and faded, the crackling trunks anguished with a crash. All was black. The brows of men by, dis by the despairing light wore an unearthly aspect, by as by fits. The flashes fell upon them. Some lay down and hid their eyes and wept, and some did rest their chins upon their clenched hands and smiled. And others hurried to and fro and fed their funeral pyres with fuel and looked up. With such mad, with such mad disquietude on the dull sky, the pall of a past world, and then again with curses cast them down upon the dust, and gnashed their teeth and howled. The wild birds, birds shrieked, and terrified did flutter on the ground, and flapped their useless wings. The wildest brutes came tame and tremulous, the vipers crawled and twinned themselves among the multitude, hissing but stingless. They were slain for food. In war, which for a moment was no more, did glut himself again, a meal was brought with blood, and each sate solemnly apart, gorging himself in gloom. No love was left, all earth was but one thought, and that was death. Immediate and inglorious, in the pang of famine did, fed upon entrails, men died, their bones were tombless as their flesh. The meager by meager devoured, even dogs sailed their masters, all save one, and he was faithful to a corpse and kept the birds and beasts and famished men at bay, till hunger, hunger clung them, or the dropping dead lord their flank jaws himself sought out no food. But with a piteous and perpetual moan, in a quick desolate cry, licking the hand which answered not with a caress, he died. The crowd was famished by degrees, but two of an enormous city did survive. They were enemies they met beside the dying embers of an altar place, where had been heaped a mass of holy things. For an unholy usage they ranked up, and shivered scrapped with their old skeleton hands. Their feeble ashes and their feeble breath blew for a little life and made a flame, 
which was a mockery, and then they lifted up their eyes, it grew lighter, and beheld each other's aspect, saw and shrieked, and died. Even of their mutual hideousness, they died, unknowing who he was upon those brow famine, written freed. The world was void. The populace and the powerful was lump, seasonless, herbless, treeless, manless, lifeless. A lump of death, a chaos of hard clay. The rivers, lakes, and ocean, all blood, all stood still. And stirred, and nothing stirred within these silent depths, ships, sailorless lay rotting on the sea and their mass fell piecemeal as they dropped they slipped on the abyss without surge the waves were dead the tides were in their grave the moon their mistress had expired before the winds were weathered in the stagnant air and the clouds perished Darkness had no need of aid of them. She was the universe. you guys a good night thanks for tuning in for another episode of demi mond paranormal podcast i thought i'd send you guys off with a song called the lullaby as well it's from the witcher it's been
I'll see you guys next week for a new all-new episode of Demi Wand Paranormal Podcast. Stay safe, make good choices, and be sure to tune in next time, next Friday, for an all-new episode. Good night, and sweet dreams. <laughs>